Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. So the green flag is in the air for the first uh, hour and a half of a practice session, which will include all of the classes here. If you're new to the IMSA sports car, IMSA Michelin sports car on car here at Sebring, Jeremy Shaw uh, he will give you the details of uh, the different classes uh, and an extended list of classes uh, for this year, although... In point of fact, the class that has been added didn't get any takers uh, for this year. Is that right? Oh, no, it was GT3 that's been, that's been added. And we have indeed got four GT3 cars. Yeah, what we don't have is TCR cars. And Correct. Very eloquent opening, John. Nice to, uh, nice to be back here. And you talked about the rain here have been, yeah, having been here since you arrived. Well, I'm here now. So Thank it can you. stop. So it can stop, yes. 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 We need to get back to California-style weather. Um, it's funny, actually, the last last couple of race weekends I've been to over in England, the last two weekends, it was miserable on Saturday and gorgeous on Sunday. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping for the same here. Uh, speaking to the man who knows everything about Sebring, Ken Bresler, uh, earlier on this morning when I first came in. And by the way, keep an eye out for Ken's brilliant hardback uh, history of Sebring in fact figures and a bit of text and photograph as well uh, which uh, he has compiled for many years we've re- re- we have uh, been reliant on uh, Ken's compilations down through the years of what's gone on and the lists of drivers have been here well he's put that into a really nice hardback book now and what a reference work uh, that is and Ken says it's going to be lovely tomorrow so Right. Yep. Uh, if Ken says it's going to be lovely tomorrow, I'm taking that as gospel. Um, the the man who knows more, in fact, he's forgotten more about this place than most people uh, know. Uh, one or two changes to the uh, facility as we came in. There's been uh, uh, the bridge that we come in over has been changed a little bit into the paddock. Uh, there's one or two little detail changes. You'll be pleased to know that the circuit itself is exactly as it always always has been so we're looking down on the peaks of concrete where Sir Jack Brabham pushed his car over the line to win the World Sports Car Championship all those years ago that has not changed what's different in terms of character from when we're here for the Mobile One Sebring 12 hours uh, which this year was presented by uh, Advanced Auto Parts the there's no parking in front of us at all. And I'm going to shock Mr. Shaw immensely now. Look what I remember to bring. I remember <laughs> to bring the binoculars because we can't actually see under the new drive under bridge coming out of uh, turn uh, five into turn six. And pretty much because there's no 
RV parking under the Mobile One walkover bridge, almost down to the hairpin. In fact, no, I can see the hairpin from here. Yeah, absolutely I can. There's the photographer's stand. Working well on radio, that. But that's what I can see through the binoculars. Um, so we will get to see a bit. Uh, thanks to Clark Camborn and his team, we do have some static cameras. Uh, we will have some pictures for you tomorrow, streaming on IMSA TV. So it's audio only for today. And we'll cover the bulk of the sessions today. If you want to know what's going on uh, as far as our schedule is concerned then all you've got to do is go to radio-show.co.uk, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and if you look at the RS2 schedule, you'll see when we're on air. Now, I know there's been all kinds of times changing uh, in the last couple of weekends around the world, but it will auto-correct to your browser time zone. So wherever you are in the world, so long as your browser is set to where you are, that will auto-convert the schedule for you. And if you notice on this busy weekend, we've only actually got two channels working. RS1 will be where you'll find WEC. Johnny Palmer already got up with the Cracker Sparrows to do an interesting qualifying session, which I won't spoil if you're going to catch up on that uh, on the... Uh, on the podcast later on uh, and we've got some race of remembrance from Anglesey as well so WEC for uh, uh, Shanghai excuse me Anglesey race of remembrance with Paul Truswell and Diana Binks and it'll be Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones for the WEC that's all on RS1 RS2 exclusively for IMSA uh, radio so three classes of cars here with the GT4s having four for Turner Motorsport, Carl Barton with Peregrine Racing, uh, PF Racing, James Pesek, uh, Jed Buford and Shane Lewis in that car. And Jim Cox and Dylan Murray have Riley Motorsports Mercedes uh, here uh, in the 35 car. Riley have also got their 74 GT3 car here, one of four GT3s. That's the new pairing, Jeremy, of Gar Robinson and Lawson Ashenbach. So this effectively, when I was talking about that philosophical argument about whether this is the end of 19 or the beginning of 20, for that car, it is very much the beginning of 2020 season. Well, absolutely it is. And, uh, and uh, you know, an exciting uh, news there to see that we saw a couple of months ago that Riley... Motorsports are going to be continuing uh, running a Mercedes with Ben Keating having uh, pulled out to, to concentrate uh, apparently on the World Endurance Championship. So good to see that team back in action with Gar Robinson and Lawson Ash about that uh, that pairing uh, ran this season a, a limited schedule of races with under the Lone Star Racing banner and uh, they are the big expectations for the years to come. I mean, Lawson Ashbach, he's, he's a tremendous talent. We've seen that for, for many, many years. Gar Robinson, uh, you know, relative youngster, just 24 years of age now, uh, from a, a very much a racing family. His dad, George, had a, a big history in IMSA back in the 80s in the GTO division, mm. primarily. Uh, so great to see that uh, that operation moving along uh, alongside with Riley Motorsports. And that's going to be a car to watch this year. And, you know, the other teams running this weekend in GT3. Uh, good to see Tim Pappas back. Very after good. That, uh, uh, horrible accident he had and, and the shoulder injury. Or, yeah, shoulder injury, wasn't it? Or shoulder that was or, February. Oh, that was Bathurst. Exactly. A long, long time ago. So great to see him back uh, alongside Mark Miller and Spencer Pompelli. That's a strong crew. Drives. It certainly is. Uh, and then the, the right most sports entry, again, looking forward to, towards next year. Uh, Ryan Hardwick there making his return to racing, having missed the final part of the season. Started off with Paul Miller Racing, but had a huge crash and uh, had to have some surgery uh, that kept him out for the rest of the season. Maxwell Root moving up from the uh, IMSA 
uh, Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge uh, uh, was very impressive towards the end of oh, the season. So good to see him having that opportunity. And uh, for a, uh, a veteran driver in there alongside those two, Jan Halen brings a huge amount of experience. So, yeah. And the, then, of the course, other, the other team is... Well, the other team. Now, is that a 20... It's not 2019. Is it 2020? Well, we don't know. Well, it kind of falls in... I, I'm hearing that yeah. Madison Snow has been recategorized mm. by... IMSA back to being a silver driver. They're recognising uh, and upholding his FIA silver uh, rating, recognising mo- mostly that the you know that what he brings to the team in terms of financial uh, support. And therefore, is this a portent of something for for 2020? Not our not our announcement to make, but you look at this and think, oh, hello, this is a bit mouth watering. Yeah. Former champion pairing team. Yeah, that's right. I think you know, a little bit of backpedalling there by IMSA, but absolutely the right decision. Uh, and uh, great to see Madison back again. As you say, super enthusiasm amongst that family. Uh, and the, the Snow family, of course, had a huge amount of success here at Sebring in particular. Oh, yes. So uh, even better for Madison to make his return here at Sebring International Raceway. And of course, he's not driven the Evo version of that Lamborghini before. He and uh, he and yeah. Brian Sellers capped the championship with the previous version, the new car for 2019 season. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this year, this season sometimes, but, and I mean the 2019 season. So the opportunity for him to get to grips with a couple of new things, a new car, and, of course, he's not driven it on the Michelin tyres. Yeah, good point. He hasn't, has he? No, that's right. Uh, so, yeah, d- doubly exciting for him. Exactly what say, this g- event g- is meant to yes, be. Yes, indeed. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, we, we talked about the fact that GT3 is new for this season. Uh, TCR also invited, uh, and I'm kind of surprised there's no takers there. Um, particularly, I guess, yeah, the Mazdas I would have expected to see here, but I guess those cars aren't, aren't yet race ready. We, we, again, we haven't heard anything official, have we? Well, or they want to make a big splash about a bright, shiny reveal. But yeah. yes, it might have been nice to see one in you know some kind of camo ah, colours and, and something been like a that. A lot to learn here because we, we saw of the teams that were here one year ago, uh, all of them came came out of the box strong when they get to when they got to the to Daytona for the first round of the championship in in 2019. So I'm surprised. I know Hyundai was prepared to come, uh, is my understanding, but. Uh, when it was apparent there weren't going to be other other takers, they didn't want to just kind of race them against themselves. So. And there's a likelihood of a Hyundai customer car as well. Whether that comes into IMSA for a full season or a part season, we're not sure yet. Again, that's something that we're waiting to hear. Uh, by far the most numerate in terms of the entries are the LMP3 cars, which is effectively our top class here. We have 10 of them. Uh, most of the big teams from the uh, IMSA prototype uh, LMP3 Challenge uh, are represented. A couple of cars from K2R Motorsports. The 26 car for uh, James Maguire, Jim Maguire, uh, Matt Bell. That's the British Matt Bell. The Geordie lad from Newcastle-upon-Tyne originally. Kai van Berlo from the Netherlands in that car. And in the second of the K2R cars, uh, Naveen Rao and Scott Andrews. That's the 64 car. And some Motorsport of John Brownson, Tim George and Neil Albarico in their car. Uh, Blake Mount and Baylor Griffin added to Dan Goldberg in Performance Tech Motorsports number six at Leisure. Uh, we've got Nasha Sane and Wayne Boyd in the uh, Sean Creech Motorsport Leisure. That's the 30 car. Ollie Askew drafted into the second of those cars. Uh, taking over from uh, Scotland Goss and he'll be paired with Lance Wilsley. That's what we're hearing this morning. We'll wait because that's been a bit fluid about which car Ollie's going to jump into. Joe Robillard and Steve 
Uh, Stephen McAleer for Robbie Hard Racing, the 43. 47 Motorsports, guess which car number they are? Yes, yes, you were right. Uh, the 47 car has Joel Janko, uh, Jonathan George and Tristan Nunez joining those guys in that car. Uh, and Conquest have uh, George Stikos and Danny Cork and the 75 cars Cameron Castles and Max Hanratty for performance tech. That's your 10 there. A uh, couple of Normas, three Normas in the middle of that, which was the 43 car for Robbie Yard, 47 Motorsports and the 61 of Conquest Racing. The rest are Leisure's. Uh, Normas had a bit of an advantage, it would seem, for the most part, not at every single racetrack, but they seem to be better at more racetracks uh, last season, the season just passed, 2019, I know I'm going to do that. But it's good to hear those big 5-litre uh, V8s rumbling around Sebring, which is what they're doing at the moment. We've had about half a dozen cars out, and it is the 64 Ligier that is fastest at the moment, Naveen route for K2R Motorsports out early on. Uh, Mark Miller had the fastest time for quite some time in the number 54 Black Swan Racing. And how good is it to say those words? 54 Black Swan. It's just right. And Tim Pappas, as Jeremy said, back and fit again. Uh, and let's hope again that's a poor temp for 2020. And Tim wants to come back and race with the IMSA Championship in that lovely, perfectly turned out as ever GT3. Just going down the middle straight if you will now down towards the hairpin here at Sebring and that is from our right to our left left to right as they go across the stripe in front of us through turn one which we can't quite see see a little bit of the kink at turn two and then under <laughs> Jeremy's leaning a long way don't do that you might topple the yeah, building exactly over right, yeah. um, <laughs> out through the uh, what was new for this year the new crossover bridge we can see them all the way then going from our right to our left down to their hairpin and then even through the trees actually I can see them in the distance going up through towards turn ten yeah. If I get the binos out, I can see that. It's, I mean, the other side of Green Park. Yes, exactly, which we normally can't see because it's full of people, of course. Uh, it is very much reduced entrance. We are open for business. And there was a little yes. queue this morning when I came in. There was people waiting to get in. I don't think the, the um, gates were opening until about 8 o'clock, and we were in a little bit earlier than that. And there was a couple of RVs and a couple of people standing waiting to get in. Not the lines you see at Sebring 12, no. <laughs> but certainly there was about a dozen people waiting to get in. Uh, and if you check the Sebring website, you'll see it's, it's pennies to get in this weekend. Yeah, and if you look at... Uh, if, you, if you're guiding yourself with a Google Maps or something like that, take no notice of the fact that it says... Uh, Sebring International Racing might be closed today, is it? Is it uh, oh, really? Yes. That's what it's I, I not. I, no, it's not. Very much not. Open for business. Yeah. And, and a great opportunity. I mean, lots of track time this weekend. Uh, so, uh, four know, hours really on uh, Sunday. Yeah, four hours on Sunday. But, open you know, lots paddock. Of, lots of, 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 of uh, practice time today. We, we're starting off this morning with this uh, hour and a half for the first practice session. Then we've got a bit of a break. Then there's another hour. Then there's another hour after that uh, for... Uh, for each of the two, the kind of two splits is going to be this afternoon. The first hour is going to be for GT4s, uh, and the second hour for GT3 and LMP3. I'm not sure whether they're going to change that or not, but uh, that's that was the revised schedule. So three hours of practice time today. Another 25 minutes to morning, tomorrow morning as well, leading into the 20-minute qualifying sessions for each of the classes. Okay, thank you very much to Jeremy Shaw. And I can hear the sound of car engines, so thanks to our 
TV partners for making that happen. Uh, reminder that we'll be switching the cameras on as far as you're concerned tomorrow for qualifying and the whole race. There's a free practice for... It's the usual IMSA. If you take away the idea of we're mixing the classes up here and the different... Uh, series, which effectively what we're doing is we're mixing the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship entry and the uh, LMP3 series and the Michelin Pilot Challenge, uh, and we've got representatives from each of those three all together here in the IMSA Sport, the Michelin IMSA Sports Car Encore at Sebring. Um, but it's a very similar idea that we'll have a final short practice session and then 15-minute qualifying t- sessions tomorrow into the for our race. Yeah, because you get, they're actually given 20 minutes. They've got, they got a luxury tomorrow. 20 luxury. minutes to qualify. Ah, luxury, yes. lad. Luxury, lad. <laughs> uh, right, just to everybody coming into the pits for yeah, a moment. I, They've yeah. done their opening salvos, I would think. Yeah, half uh, what, six, uh, half a dozen cars have been out so far. We're, we are expecting, yeah, the rain has, has now... I think it's pretty much stopped, hasn't it, now? and uh, It's certainly and it's eased till barely a drizzle, yeah, yes. Yeah, and I believe that that's it for rain for the weekend. It's supposed to clear up as the, as the day goes along. So really not an awful lot to learn in terms of this weekend in this, in this wet practice session at the moment. So I think it's going to be, uh, you know, kind of minimal uh, number of cars out on track for, for this first, most of this first hour. But, you know, it's, it's fairly warm this morning, reasonably warm this morning. So the track should dry out, I would have thought. Uh, trouble is, there's not really much. We could do a little bit more of a breeze, I think, to, to really help the drying process. But it's still for the rest nearly. Of the weekend, uh, it's supposed to be dry. Yeah, it was still nearly um, 20 degrees this morning when I came in in the uh, the Q3. Yeah. So it's it's not cold. Shear will tell me different, of course, but uh, it isn't cold. Uh, it is. It was damp. Um, humidity was 92 percent. I noticed on the the screen earlier on, which basically meant it was raining, and that's exactly what it was doing, and. Uh, but other than that, it's been quite pleasant. Uh, when I landed in Miami on Monday evening, Monday evening, no, Thursday evening, um, it was warm and uh, very muggy, very humid. Shocking. Yes, no shock there at all. So I have got the shorts on today. I worked under the premise that um, I didn't want to get my trousers soaking wet if it rained, but <laughs> I thought it would be warm anyway. So skin being waterproof. I thought, right, might as well have the shorts on. Good plan. Yeah. Good plan. Yeah, it was it was hot and muggy. I flew into uh, Fort Lauderdale last night, and it was surprised how muggy it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then drove out on the road. To, I, I drove kind of halfway here last night, and uh, I was quite surprised to see a couple of rain showers last night. Wasn't hadn't hadn't been expecting that, but God, a couple, a couple of rain showers. And then this morning, it was torrential driving up from Okeechobee. We got. We were very lucky coming up from Fort Lauderdale on. Uh, Friday morning, we dodged what was a big rain shower coming up onto the 75. Got a couple of spits and spots on the windscreen, but didn't even put the wipers on. Got here, it's lovely, smashing. Yeah. Came in, checked everything out, connected with Tim Gray back in London, and good morning to Tim uh, and to Kerry, who's looking after us for our early sessions here. Hi, guys, back in London. Uh, everything was great. Literally, as we walked out, it started to spot, and by the time we got to the car, it was biblically raining. <laughs> Got back to the hotel, decided we were going to go out and uh, hit a very nice Mexican uh, restaurant yesterday evening where I had a fabulous piece of steak. And uh, it was torrential. It was puddles on the street and everything. Thank goodness for Quattro. 
and uh, I think that's been carrying on pretty much over the night, to be honest. Weather forecast for tomorrow is much better. So let's hope that is the case. And hello to everybody listening on the PA here at Sebring as well. Good to have your company. And I think we've just got somebody leaving. Who was that? That was the Turner Motorsport BMW heading out onto the track. That's uh, Robbie Foley and Vin Barletta for the BMW M4 GT4. And that, that has turned some laps this morning with Robbie at the wheel. Yep. And that uh, that pairing, Robbie Foley and, and Vin Barletta, new to the championship this season. They made three starts together this year. Had a best finish of uh, sixth uh, during the, uh, the regular season. And, uh, and uh, again, I believe that Vin is, is, is planning on doing you know, more races next season. So again, this is a good warm-up for that to prepare for the full Michelin Pilot Challenge Series in 2020. That car back, well, it's in its regular, very distinctive yellow and blue Turner Motorsport livery. And that's uh, one of only two of the four GT4 cars that has been out this morning. Robbie Foley, Turner Besser, 2 minutes 26. Jade Buford, a 2.31 in the uh, number 40 PF racing Mustang. I'm getting FX from a camera that has still has a camera, or, uh, camera cover on it, I think, which oh we right. can hear blowing around in the wind. So the wind is getting up a little bit. Still, once the cars go by, we can hear them. That's the main thing. Uh, I, now, what was I, Oh, yes. Now, whilst we're waiting for people to come round, Jeremy, I thought we might have... Didn't have time for this on Wednesday on uh, Midweek Motorsport. Um, rules for the WeatherTech Championship, in fact, for all the championships, um, are out. And a couple of talking points here. Um, LMP2 must have one bronze driver in the car and it's got to be the bronze driver that starts the race and if the non-bronze driver starts it's a five minute penalty at the start of the race now rumours abound about uh, new LMP2 the ERA car uh, ER ERA ERA cars yes coming potentially coming in to do some stuff in LMP2 yeah I saw a note uh, about that this week uh, doing a kind of a tie up there with Dragon Speed Mm mm-hmm um, and at least one well, of those has got the cars, hasn't he? Yeah, so. exactly. So, uh, you know, I think uh, we certainly should see what we're planning on uh, at least uh, five or six cars, I'm, I'm told, for uh, for the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Which is a standalone, remember? Yes, in terms not part of the overall not championship. Not part of the overall championship. Yeah. Is part of the endurance championship yeah. and still has a watch. So LMP2 yes. still a category yes. and still with a Rolex Cosmograph up for grabs for the winning team. Yeah, so that's certainly good to see uh, some in, some interest there. And uh, and I'm, I'm hearing, you know, P- potentially uh, five or six or even more for the full season as well. So mm. that's that's very very good news. And, and you know, I mean, P two is still it's still a really cost effective, relatively cost effective category, and uh, and a great way to to step in to the uh, toward the top level of the IMSA championship. And fair play to the teams and interested teams for going to IMSA and saying, guys, I don't know if you can do this, but if you could do this, we'll we'll bring some cars. And IMSA have said, if that's what you want, 
That's what we can yeah. do. And then the teams have followed through. It's easy to go and say, please, sir, can you change the rules? Can you change the championship? Can you change the schedule? And then sort of when that gets thinking, well, that'll ne- get, never get done. And then when it gets done, sort of slinking away quietly at the background. No, no, it wasn't me that said anything. No, 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 not at all. So... Good to hear the teams following through on their part of that bargain. Yeah, and I know Bobby Oracle at PR1 Matters most was. He was one of the, the leaders of the, of the kind of impetus behind that switch. Uh, and, the, and the theory there being, look, it, it, it's, it, the, the Rolex 24 at Daytona is a very expensive race to do. I mean, to, to run these cars, you basically, in terms of running costs, you don't really talk about a weekend cost. You talk about a, a m- per mile, yeah, mm-hmm. per miles or per hours on the car. Uh, so for 24, to run these cars for 24 hours plus all the practice and qualifying that goes with you're it you're talking about a 30 hour commitment you're there. talking about a season correct uh, effectively in the, in the, uh, well, for the rest of the championship for ELMS let's not forget that's four six hour races yeah. plus the attendant qualifying sessions you're talking about pretty much the ELMS season yeah. in one event Weekend. yeah in one event and particularly if you include the the raw, the raw tests competition well, that, test, yes, that, exactly. That's a full season, exactly. So that, that uh, is the ELMS season yeah, in, ter- so in terms of hours. Yeah, uh, and so you know, the, the, with that, with the uh, the Rolex watch and the prestige that goes with that up for, up for grabs, you know, that's a pretty good carrot in itself, and uh, it's also part of the the uh, Michelin uh, Endurance Cup as well. Sensible, obviously, uh, as but it for the main be. championship, I think that makes a lot of sense because you know there's some teams and or drivers that don't have the money to do the whole shoot the whole shebang the whole season so for them uh you they can either concentrate on the uh michelin endurance cup or the the rolex 24 or the regular season as well which is going to be i think six is it six races next season yeah um so effectively you're mirroring what you've we've had now for a season Mm. albeit slightly differently organized but mirroring something similar to what we have in gt3 and gt daytona in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, in that you have a sprint championship, you have the whole season, and you have the endurance. Yeah. Well, so here what you've got is a, a season championship, which is effectively the shorter races. You've got the big prestigious Blue Ribbon race at the start of the season. Do it or don't do it. It's up to you, but it won't affect your season. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that. Uh, new it, gives t- the, it gives the teams more to sell, doesn't it? it gives Absolutely. A, a completely, you, know, a, you might have a completely a, 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 a different set of drivers indeed. in a Daytona than you yeah. have for the rest of the season. And there's nothing wrong with that. And yeah. that's a good biz- That's good business. Yeah. Uh, Neil Ab- Alberico, by the way, has put in a cracking time of 2 minutes 14.8. And that puts him to the top. He's going to go quicker than that this time around. He's got the track pretty much to himself. Just three or four cars out at the moment. Brian Sellers has taken out the number 48 Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo for Paul Miller Racing. You've got a spanking new, sparkling new trailer uh, in the paddock here as well. Uh, Navrao's taken out the 64 Ligier in second place. Um, going through these rules changes, I like this bronze idea in, in LMP2. Gives the opportunity for people, uh, drivers, to possibly step up into the big show and, and move on. Uh, drive time for pit lane doesn't begin until the car crosses the pit out scoring leap. And the drive time during the red flag counted from the originally scheduled time of the race. Which is there? There, there are. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, regulations that have been clarified over the last few weeks. Uh, competitors should consider. Here's the quote: that conditions may restrict or prohibit a return to yellow or green flag conditions following a red flag period. Now that is 
the reactions, I think, to the Daytona disqualify, uh, disqualifications for people who didn't make minimum drive time. Uh, two headlights and tail lights, uh, two headlights, two tail lights and a rain light are required. Now, this is interesting. Whenever wet tyres are fitted, two headlights and tail lights. In the past, you've been all right with one, as so long as you've had one going. And that will remain the same so long as you're on slicks. But whenever wet tyres are on, you must have both. I think that's quite a sensible, uh, a sensible addition. Uh, there's new uh, reasons for drive-through penalties regarding uh, pit infractions as well. So if you get a permission from a pit official, you may now touch the car during a red flag in qualifying, but... Only for specific things. To clean the debris from the radiator, clean the windshield in inclement weather, help move the car if it's blocked in the pit lane, and assist the driver. So just some clarifications there. Remember, any touch of the car has had people's qualifying at times uh, thrown out, including opening the door when the driver is too hot, which we saw at Petit Le Mans, of course. Yeah, it's happened to a couple of, pe- couple of teams last season, and... Uh Kind of regrettable, and particularly, yeah, they were they were they were at, at Petit. There was it was non-regular teams out there Correct. as well, so uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, harsh penalties. But uh, you know, rules is rules, and uh, you, you one of the, one of the, if you're going to commit to a, a new series, you need to know the rules going in. But Correct. Yeah, that was kind of a, a kind of a petty one. So I think it's good to see now that you know, at least now there's a proper focus on that, and there's absolutely no excuse now for Correct. getting that wrong. Agreed. Uh, and finally, from what we picked out on Wednesday, and this was all Shea's hard work, so thank you to Shea, Adam, for that. Uh, now, refuelling from a static rig now permitted during all sessions. So that means if you are in the pit, uh, the pits, you must be on the cold side of the pit wall if you don't have your fireproofs on. So if you're wearing normal clothes, um, then you can work on the car, but then jump back over the wall for refuelling and then come back over to continue. So that's a bit of a change. I, I suspect that that will just mean everybody gets togged up in their fire suits at all times down in the pit lane, which, which again, do you know what? I don't have an issue uh, with that. Yeah, common sense really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. So adding the refuelling, we have had in the past sessions early in the event week where... It's called a cold pit lane. The whole pit lane has been called, so you can't refuel from your static rig down there in the pit lane. Therefore, people are wandering around without their fire suits on. Now, the teams have asked for, um, as far as I, I understand it, the teams have asked for refueling at, in all sessions so they can uh, do things with different fuel loads. And yeah, th- and, and don't have to go back to the garage and Don't uh, have to go back to the garage and waste yeah. time. And, that, and at that point, IMSA say, yeah, that's fine, but clearly that means we've got to have rules for people in fire suits having seen fires in pit lane before don't have any issue with that so that's what six or seven points maybe a bit more uh, that we've picked out of the new rules and uh, we'll check the sporting regulations when they come out uh, later in the year as we head towards the raw before the 24th first weekend in January uh, effectively uh, January I think it's January the 3rd, isn't it? It's the Friday. So 4th and 5th will be the Raw, the Saturday and Sunday. And then uh, we're straight off to Dubai for the 24 hours in the usual mad dash in the early part of the 
New Year. So plenty of sports car content and endurance content to come as we lead up to Christmas. Still got uh, the end of the midweek motorsports season to come with a Formula One year that goes into December this year, can you believe it, with the season engine ending Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, Brazil next weekend for Formula One to keep Nick Damon excited through into the early week of early weeks of uh, December Nick actually will be in the uh, in that region in the Gulf region and uh, managed to uh, panic when he couldn't get his flights to Abu Dhabi as he wanted and it was only then he realised he was trying to go the same weekend as the Grand Prix which for our Formula 1 correspondent was a bit disappointing frankly <laughs> he hadn't checked the calendar uh, and uh, what else have we still to come we've still got another WEC race after this weekend, and that's in the uh, in the Gulf region as well, in Bahrain, at the Manama Circuit. And Johnny Palmer will be taking you through that one, as he is this weekend with Bruce Jones for the four hours of Shanghai. Again, if you haven't seen qualifying, or heard qualifying yet, rather, I won't spoil it for you, but it's going to be a very interesting four hours. If uh, what we've seen in free practice and qualifying is anything to go by. You're listening to IMSA Radio at the IMSA Michelin Encore. We're at the Sebring International Raceway for our four-hour contest, which is on Sunday. We'll have sound and vision for that for you through the usual outlets. Early sessions all live and exclusive here on IMSA Radio. And if you'd like to get in touch with us at IMSA Radio, good morning to a very dark, foggy Monterey and Carol Brink, who's tuned in. Good to have your company this early morning as it is for you Carol half an hour into our broadcast thank you very much for the mug I am I haven't even brought it up here I've left it down in Fort Lauderdale I'll pick it up before I travel to Texas fantastic thank you lovely gift for a space geek like me talking to Bob Barfield this morning I feel I might have found what I'm doing on Tuesday when I head over to Texas 4104 Union Pacific one of the, the, the last running big boy biggest locomotive in the world when they were built is uh, in Texas on its national tour and uh, I, f- I feel I may have to go and see that run I'm very excited by that so who's out on track at the moment? Uh, Neil Alberico did beat the time. 2.14.693. Next best, Mark Miller in the Porsche. The Black Swan Porsche number 54. Green and multicoloured car. He just pits with a 2.16.8. A couple of seconds away from the prototype. But there's still a very good run indeed for that green, silver and black livery on the Black Swan car. Looks fantastic. Uh, then it's the 64 Ligier of K2R Motorsports, Naveen Rao, now Californian resident. Uh, he's in third with a 17.6. And just going back out again in fourth position, second in GT3, the Wright Motorsports Ryan Hardwick driven car. Spots of rain again on the Yes, it is just starting to rain again, Jeremy. You're spot on. That's coming down much heavier now. Let's see who that is over there. 
That's the 48 car that's out as well now. Brian Sellers, who's been doing some installation laps in and back in, out and back in rather. Still to see the bulk of the field then. But I suspect that the weather conditions here with a fine day in prospect for qualifying and the race tomorrow, I feel a cup, uh, an extra cup of coffee and uh, a chat in the team transporter may be preferable to going out there and potentially wadding up the car. Which seems intensely sensible, as far as I can see. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, you know, there's always a possibility. You know, these team, most of these teams, they are preparing for next season. That's mm -hmm. the. Uh, I mean, they want to win this race, but uh, the primary goal here is just to get some uh, experience under the belts for next year. You know, it might be right wet here when we come back for the Sebring weekend in March. So certainly, don't see any harm in going out there now. You know, you might as well uh, learn what the conditions are like. Uh, at any time of day here. It's a, it's a tough track, Sebring, at the best of times. Oh. Uh, lap times now, we see 2.14.6, that fastest time for Neil Alberigo. So a better part of 20 seconds off the uh, dry, expected dry weather pace here. Of the P3 car? Of the P3 really? car. Really? Yeah. Wow. I didn't, know, I didn't realise it was that wet. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, but it is a long track here, isn't it? You know, three and three quarter miles. So a uh, long way, long way around here. And... There's some commitment corners here where you're going to be carrying a lot less speed than you would be normally. In particular, I'm thinking they're turn one and turn 17 as well, Sunset Bend. Uh, these conditions here where the track is slippery, there's not a lot of, of uh, grip at all through there. By the way, if you are as interested in steam locomotives as, as I am, um, then the Union Pacific guys who restored um, 41 on 4 have a Twitter feed it's UP underscore steam and you can track it where it is around the country and as I say I'm pretty certain it's in Texas at the moment uh, it's up.com so it's, it's doing a lap, a lap. It, it, it's, it's doing a national tour it, it, oh. it was it's the last one of I think there was eight there were eight built and uh, it's the only one that, that that is still running. It had a huge uh, refurb that finished in April or May time, yeah. and uh, it's now doing. Yeah. It where was it refurbed? Yeah. No, I don't. I'm yeah, afraid. Sure. But um, the um, Union Pacific decided they were going to put it back on the tracks, and I mean, it's a huge. There are huge things, and and things of beauty. I always think steam engines yeah. have a real, um, have a real. Uh, personality to them. Yeah, I can remember hours of train spotting at, at, at school as a lad. <laughs> Sad to say. But, uh, no, yeah, of course. A long, long time ago. I no, lived, no, I lived a, to a close to a railway line. A, I did yeah. a railway line. Rick went right past the school and, uh, and you know, back in those days they, they were, it was steam trains. Well, uh, Pretty much. I mean, diesel trains were just coming in. If it, <laughs> Do you remember when the, uh, the what was the Flying Scotsman yeah, in, in the UK? That was, that was being run out and that ran down the line uh, through the back of where I lived at Sunderland and you could not get a space on the area around the railway mm. I mean people turned out to see it it's, there's something just yeah well something magical just just the, the sound that the the, the the whole visceral experience of a steam train uh, is just fantastic the, the, the glorious glorious miss those well I, I mean was nowadays 
my, my mother lives near a, rail, uh, a railway line in, in the UK, and with the seamless lines now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you don't even hear the It's incredible. Incredible. How far it's gone. I was wrong. There was 25 big boys built exclusively for Union Pacific. Uh, originally back in the 1940s, 132 feet long, 1.2 million pounds in weight. Wow. They were articulated in the middle, and it's a 4884 wheel arrangement. That's huge. That is huge. They normally operated between Utah and Wyoming, Ogden and Cheyenne. Seven big boys on public display around the country, and that car was that that train the 4104 that engine went back to Cheyenne to begin a multi-year restoration progress returning in May 2019 to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the transcontinental railroad completion there you go in 1961 wow. yeah oh, ran all the way to 1961 yeah they're big old things ran over a million miles how cool very cool uh, I'm trying to find out what it's tractive power 135,375 pounds. That's canny, isn't it? So it's the length of a standard diesel locomotive, a school bus and a normal car, or about two-thirds the length of a Boeing 747. Uh-huh, OK. <laughs> Jeremy now reading over my shoulder. Yeah, no, love Very it. excited. Love it. Yeah, 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 that's very cool. I was lucky enough to be in the UK as a small boy, Jeremy, when they did the 100 years of the railways uh, on the Stockton to Darlington line. And down at Shildon, they had a big drive past of lots of trains and ran the Mallard and things like that. And they ran the, the um, recreation. Which was the first steam train to go 100 miles an hour. Correct. It? Yeah, fastest steam train in the world for a long time. Mm, the, many uh, years. Uh, beautiful thing. Blue. Lovely. Streamlined. Mm. Uh, and they had the recreation of Stevenson's Rocket there as well. The original long uh, lost, of course. And uh, I sp- I've spent many happy hours in York Railway Museum. Still worth uh, going to in the north of England. York, beautiful walled city, if you're thinking of going to the UK. Meanwhile, shall we get ourselves off the travelogue <laughs> and back to the railway? Well, no, we're not missing much, actually. Well, moment. Bryce Sellers has just gone and done a flying lap and gone to fourth and second in GT3 with a 2.18.3. So... And we've still got 48 minutes to go. So we're getting on towards halfway through uh, this. Yeah, that 4104 was at Pomona for a long time in the Railway Museum there before they decided to to restore it. It can't have been the work of a moment. So where is it now then? Let's have a look then. Website... uh Steam locomotive tracking and a great race across the southwest. Love it. There you go. So Saturday, November the 9th. Currently moving northwest near Sandhill, Texas. That's where it is. So it's quite a long way from Austin then. Yeah. But it depends which way it's going. <laughs> it's moving northwest. There's Dallas. So, li- so well, oh, there it is. Yeah. So actually, not that far from Austin now. I should have been in Austin today. That's going to go up and further away from me. It still might be worth a drive up on either Monday or Tuesday to see where it is. 
Yeah, are you flying into Dallas or are you flying into Austin? Flying into Austin. In Austin, out of Dallas. So, yeah, definitely be having a look to see where that is. That's uh, up.com. And there's a steam locomotive traf- a tracking site on there. If you haven't seen a big locomotive, it is it is a it's an emotional, life changing well, experience. And uh, many many people haven't uh, that are uh, around nowadays. I mean, the steam trains haven't been part of uh, the culture here for the cul- no, well, many many years. Yeah, since the sixties. Yeah. So what are we doing at the moment? Who else is out there going quickly? I think uh, the, the the biggest news right now is a good bit of blue sky over there. Yes, that is that's huge news. <laughs> well, we've got five or six cars out. Number two at the moment out there with Tim George in the Ansa Motorsports Leisure. That's had the fastest time to its name for a wee while now. Neil Alberico put in a at two fourteen. Second best LMP three is the 64, which I think Naveen Rao's been in that K2R motorsports car all the way through the session. I don't think we've seen Scott Andrews in that yet. And those are the only P3s we've seen out. Two P4s that have been out are the Turner Mustang and the number 40 PF Racing Ford Mustang. And Robbie Foley actually is out in that car now. Jeb Buford was out in the the Ford earlier. The two, three GT3s we've had. So the only GT3 we haven't yet seen is the 74. The Gar Robinson and uh, Lawson Asienbach car. Yeah. And that will be a full season entry, entry for next year in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship for Riley Motorsports. That wind's getting up again, isn't it? So that'll help the tarmac dry out a bit in the concrete. Rattling past in front of us now. That was the 64 car. So we're now exactly halfway through this, Jeremy. Yes, somewhat um, surprising and perhaps a bit disappointing we didn't see any of the the, uh, TCR cars turn up here. Yeah. I mean, it's not as if there's anything else for them to do at the moment. There's, you know, there's not another event that they could be in. I would understand if there was something clashing, but the, the, the dates were were chosen specifically to avoid that. Indeed, and and you know, I mean, last year, of course, it, that was the first opportunity for uh, for many, for all of these teams really, to to run on the Michelin tyres to get ready for the uh, for the switch for 2019 season. So I get that that isn't uh, an issue uh, at the moment, but still. I think it's uh, yeah, relatively uh, cost-effective way to get some track time here and get really some good, good, good um, experience under your belt in pre- preparation for the 2020 season. And let's not forget, Jeremy, that in the race itself, there's over $100,000 worth of either cash or tyre credits for next season. So it's not yeah. like people are turning out here for, you know, potentially no reward. Yeah, good point. Good to hear the sound of racing engines again. Of course, you've been in the UK. We were just joking about this before we came on air. Jeremy was barely 40 minutes from our house last weekend, and I have to fly 10 hours to see him again (laughs) because he was rather busy with Team USA. And the two boys had an absolutely 
fantastic couple of race weekends at the Formula Ford Festival at Brands Hatch and then the following weekend, which is last weekend, at the Walter Hayes Trophy at Silverstone. And a couple of good lads again you found there, Jeremy. Yeah, it really was, actually. Uh, it, was, it was a great couple of weeks. Uh, Scott Huffaker, of course, is a regular in the IMSA Michelin Prototype Challenge in 2019. Uh, and he wasn't sure whether he was going to be going to be racing here this weekend when it, even last weekend he wasn't 100% mm-hmm. sure but they decided not to come here uh, this week uh, but uh, he was very very impressive finished on the podium in the final of the Walter Hayes Trophy last weekend and his teammate Scott uh, Josh Green who's just 16 years of age from Mount Kisco New York very very impressive as well S- pretty much the same pace as Scott Huffaker at both events just uh, didn't have a lot of luck he got involved in accidents in his semi-final when he was running in third position uh, which the, the, the semi-final was won by uh, Scott Huffaker. Uh, 105 cars turned up for the uh, Walter Hayes Trophy last weekend. Wow. And, and uh, Scott won his heat race. He won his semi-final and finished third in the final. And Josh, was, uh, he'd moved up from seven. He was on, on the pole for his heat race. Actually, he was the fastest qualifier out of all 105 cars uh, in his heat race. Uh, and uh, made one mistake in the semi. It cost, cost him, uh, uh, in the heat race, excuse me, it cost him uh, two or three positions. So he started seventh in the semi. He was up to third, and then he got involved in an incident at Cops Corner. So that put him out for the for the rest of the weekend. But uh, he was very, very impressive. And uh, both those two guys, I think, have a big future ahead of them. But, yeah, that's the uh, 30th year of the Team USA Scholarship this this season. And uh, it's you know, next year. Then be the thirtieth anniversary. So yes, it's been a uh, been a tremendous progress. Helped a lot of drivers amongst uh, over the years, and we've got several of them here this weekend. Actually, Oliver uh, Neil Albrico, you talked about already. He set the fastest time in this session so far. He's going to drive drive number two car. Tristan Nunez, a former Team USA scholarship winner, he's going to be making his return to this series. He won what was then the IMSA Prototype Lights Championship back in two thousand and twelve, and he actually won the. Walter Hayes Trophy that year in Team USA colours. And um, Brian Sellers, of course, he's been out there this morning in the Paul Miller Racing Lamborghini. He was a Team USA Scholarship winner in 2001, along with AJ Allmendinger. And then Oliver Askew making his sports car debut this weekend as uh, the 2016 Team USA Scholarship winner. He went on to win the his first full season of racing was in 2017, won the USF 2000 Championship, mm. then finished third in Indy Pro 2000 last year, and this year won the Indy Lights Championship, won another scholarship to move on up into the uh, NTT IndyCar Series for next season. So a meteoric rise for Oliver Askew, and he's certainly, I know, excited to make his sports car racing debut this weekend. What are you going to do for the 30th anniversary, then? Get all of them together for... Um, yeah, it would uh, be fun, wouldn't it? And there's a couple of people have asked me, uh, you know, uh, is it worth doing some sort of a commemorative book thing or something to, to, to Ooh, follow the 30 idea. years and, and I've been thinking about it a little bit but you know, books are a heck of a lot of work you know they really are and for, for, for little reward it's already a lot of work this programme so I'm not sure I need the extra got to get them together for, you've got to get them together well, in a cart track or something fun. like that that would be fun wouldn't it to do a, to do a, a, a get together somewhere and particularly uh on the book side of things, just to have each of the former winners have some sort of a story which from from their from the their years, because there's some there's all sorts of good stories to be told that uh, many of which couldn't be told at the that's time. Right, I hear. Like, yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> it, particularly in the days before social media, yeah. one or two of the uh, the. 
The early recipients of uh, the, the Team USA tap on the shoulder have told me quite candidly, thank goodness there wasn't the requirement to post everything and, uh, you know, social media, Twitter, Instagram. Thank goodness that wasn't around in our day. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. What wasn't it was seen fun. wasn't worried about. No, that's exactly right. It, it was fun talking to AJ Elmendinger actually over Petit Le Mans weekend. He, he came up with a great story from when he and Brian Sellers were in New Zealand, um, which, uh, yeah, the story must be told. And, and there's many, many others as well over the years. It's been, it's been fun. That's Jeremy Shaw talking about Team USA. And if you'd like to know more details about that, particularly if you're interested in following it, where do they need to go, Jeremy? Uh, yeah, TeamUSAScholarship.org is the uh, is the website. Uh, there's kind of regular updates on there. And there's still still some more stories to be told this season yeah. for the two winners, uh, which will be announced probably uh, next week or so. Exciting development for uh, Josh Green and Scott Huffaker. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly building momentum this season. Great to see, well, Jim Maguire is racing here this weekend. He's the proprietor of Aero Paints, and mm. he's come on board the scholarship this season to help us out, and uh, he's been a, a very welcome addition to the program, and it's just helping us to you know, kind of you know, move things up and give more opportunities for these youngsters when uh, to, to just sort of, you know, get, them, get them more involved in the racing industry. This, this year, the two drivers had an opportunity to go to Italy, for the first time, not to do any racing down there, but although, you know, lots of track time in the UK in the Formula Ford cars, but uh, they got an opportunity to go to Italy. They visited Delara, also visited Lamborghini, and went to the Ferrari Museum as well. So that was a, a pretty uh, eye-opening two-day trip for the guys while they were over in the UK. They were a better part of a month over there, and now back in this country, both of them back, back to school, uh, in particular for, for Josh Green, who's still in high school. So he missed uh, a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of time there on his education but he's now battling hard to make up the lost time and i know he's doing a lot of homework when he's over in the uk so trying to keep his his tutors happy and his parents too come to that yes indeed so <laughs> indeed so but this is all you know this is all part of the the, the motor racing develop ed- education experience and you know that's what they're looking to make their careers out of and uh, whereas it's not exactly mainstream career in motor racing but it is possible and that's what these guys have chosen to pursue. Just uh, 36 minutes still to go. Robbie Forley just put in a very good first sector for the BMW, but then lifts off in sector two. Just the changeable conditions. I've got to say, though, swathes of blue sky now, and the wind blowing quite steadily. That'll dry up pretty quickly, and only with a few cars out there. You see the Lamborghini is still out there with Brian Sellers. Uh, no, it's Madison Snow at the wheel of that car. Welcome back to IMSA competition, Madison Snow, who is just rounding the hairpin down. In fact, already through it. Oh, I love being able to see the far side of the circuit, Jeremy. Out towards turn 10. And then I'll lose him behind the trees for a moment. And then we'll not see him till he comes back. Oh, my catchy little nibble of him on the far side of the circuit there. Let's have a look on the far side where that big stack of tyres that is holding something down. Is that part of the racetrack? I think it is. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, that's Tower. Yeah. Yeah. Through the Jean de Bian bends, just turning in now, and now I do lose him. This is magnificent. Mm. Can we have this for the 12 hours, please? Just nobody here. That would kind of defeat the object, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be... I mean, what what an event it was this season. I must admit, I was sceptical when the the talk of the Super Sebring with the WC as well, but uh, I was absolutely wrong. It was a 
brilliant weekend all the way around and you know everybody got along and there was so much for the fans to see it was just a tremendous experience and a massive crowd on hand and I, do, I, I never heard of anybody that wasn't more than happy with uh, with what they what they were able to receive when they came here for that Super Sebring last year. That's going to be repeated next year and into the future as well. And I think it just bodes well for sports car racing in general. Great weekend of activities and a lot of lot of track time and it, it worked, didn't it? And uh, it was it was super to see the two series cooperating so well and and for all the fans to get the opportunity to see. The, you know, the two top premier sports car categories in the world on the same weekend. Here goes Brian Sellers' cars across the line one more time. Did it, did, did improve, uh, Madison Snow did improve that time. Well, 2.17.9 for Madison. That's only done a couple of laps, I think, in that Lamborghini since uh, Brian Sellers started off the session and then they, they sat in the pits for a while. The track now begins to dry out just a little bit. So Madison Snow taking his opportunity to get back into the flow of things. Naveen Rao also improved in the number 64 Ligier. to meet 16.6 last time around for him. So within a couple of seconds now of the time set earlier by Neil Alberico in the Ansa Motorsports car number 2. Uh, neither of the uh, none of the normas have been out yet in this no. session. Number forty-three, number forty-seven, and sixty-one. Sixty-one team—that's a new, a new uh, driver pair in there. Danny Koch, who's uh, originally from uh, from the Netherlands, but re based in the BC area of Canada for many years. He's he's done a couple of races over the last couple of years in the uh, IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge and the Mercedes. And uh, this is making his uh, LMP3 debut this weekend, along with George Stakos, about whom I know next to nothing in terms of racing. I know he's been done some club racing, but I think he's better known as a, a soft, software developer. Uh, obviously, uh, not, not very bright. He studied astro, ast astronomy and astrophysics uh, at Toronto University. Oh, and computer science and math as well. So, uh, yeah, clever guy. He and Naveen Rao need to get together because, uh, uh, yeah, Naveen... Naveen has a uh, a PhD in computational neuroscience. I mean, I don't even know what that means. I Let can't spell that. <laughs> no, cried. I'm not sure I could see it, to be honest, but I certainly couldn't spell it. <laughs> can you imagine if you added their IQ up? <laughs> I'm not sure I can count that high. No. Three goes Madison Snow, and on his uh, first flying lap, puts the quickest lap in for that car. 217.562. So that's pretty impressive. New car, new tyres to Madison. Not so quick through the first sector, but makes up for it in sectors two and three. What we don't know, of course, is what tyres he is on and what tyres Brian was on. Uh, whether it is now dry enough for slicks. Yeah, I think probably Might be. Yet. What do you think? No, I doubt it. I was wondering if that's why the first sector time wasn't quite there for Madison because it still might be a bit slippery through turns one and two, but it's drying out elsewhere. Good point. I'm sort of guessing guessing that uh, we're getting a few people swapping onto slicks now. That's a good lap early on by Neil Alberico for the 214.6 in what were quite tricky conditions. The 
Rin having just stopped and then restarted. Through goes the Turner BMW, number 96. Robbie Foley doesn't improve. About the 226. Oh, do you know what? He was close, though. 226.8 against that car's best of a 226.4. So, again, I mean, they've turned 21 laps in that car. They're getting their time in out there with just on half an hour, 30 minutes to go. And still only, though, seen half a dozen of the 18 entries. Uh, wets for Brian and for Madison still on that 48. Thank you, Shea. Send me that on a text message. <laughs> <laughs> so even sh though Shea isn't officially working, she cadged a lift up this weekend with me and uh, he's down in the pit lane on the chat. Sit at home or come to a racetrack. Two and a half hours from home. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly right. It's not a difficult decision, is it? Don't forget tomorrow, if you're listening in live on RS2 now, we'll continue with RS2 uh, throughout today, Saturday. Sunday, we'll kick off our sound and vision coverage of the IMSA Michelin Sports Car Encore here at Sebring. With uh, IMSA TV getting fired up, we'll have the player on at radiolamont.com, www.radio-show.co.uk. Easiest way to get to the portal, along with the Race of Remembrance over on RS1, which will follow directly the four hours of the WEC from Shanghai. Yeah, just four hours. Oh, right. And uh, that's going to make life difficult for the Toyotas. We didn't qualify at the sharp end of the field because of the success ballast. And uh, so they haven't got the lap pace. But what I suspect is that they'll gradually pick their time to unleash the mighty power of the hybrid. Into the pits, the faded purple, or graduated purple, number 35 which is the Riley Motorsports AMG of Jim Cox and Dylan Murray. Now, is that car just coming into the pits for the first time? I think it is. Um, followed down under our feet by the number 96, Robbie Foley, who has been out there for now 22 laps. And just going back out again, the car with the second largest number of laps completed, and that is the number two car sitting at the top of the timing and scoring. John Brownson now behind the wheel of the Anson Motorsports leash here. And Madison Snow goes quicker again. 216.996 from the Silver Driver. Well, he's a quick learner, isn't he? <laughs> Evo car. Everybody has said that the Evo kit on the Lamborghini really improves the car and the balance of the car. And uh, banging Michelin tyres onto a car seldom, if ever, never in the history of ever, does it make it worse? And uh, Madison Snow getting right to grips with it as he the V10 screams past, doesn't improve this time, but he did put a faster time in in Sector 1. In fact, the car's best, so he's getting up to speed in Sector 1 now. That last time around, let's see what he does. 2.18.6, I've got a feeling it's damp on the far side of the circuit again now. 13.4 in that first sector. 
Two LMP3s, unsurprisingly, at the top of the times at the moment. 2.14.6 and a 2.15.9 for the numbers 2 and 64. Two, as we've mentioned, is the answer motorsports car. The 64 is K2R Motorsports. And it's only been Naveen Rao at the wheel of that car in this session, of which there is 27 minutes left. Started with 90 on the clock. Naveen Rao's just put that car's fastest first sector in of the session. So, first sector, people finding time zone. There goes the right motorsports portion. New colour scheme for that car. White with light blue on it. And there's Naveen Rao going in the Shades of Grey, 64 Leisure. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, Madison Snow, incredible to think, he's still only 23 years I of know. age. I mean, but out of the sport uh, this season, uh, not through... Uh, choice. Not through choice, no. The fact that he was kind of legislated out of it and wasn't able to get a ride as a... Uh, as a, uh, a gold-rated driver, but in fairness, he did, he, he said uh, in uh, in quotes, mm. and certainly when we spoke to him, he, he didn't want to drive with anybody else. He wanted to yeah. drive with Brian Sellers, yeah. and you know that potentially almost took Brian out of the series as well. But now, uh, seemingly restored as a silver driver for IMSA, never been anything other than a silver driver in the FIA rankings, but of course. IMSA have always reserved the right to, with the, the driver committee that they have, to regrade drivers based on their performance within this series specifically. Yeah, and or other categories as well. I mean, you know, a former champion in the, uh, in the GCD Cup Series and a champion in GCD as well. It's kind of hard to justify him. You know, the, the, there was a sort of the so-called so super silvers, the, the drivers who were certainly more experienced and or had been successful than some of the other drivers in the category, and they were IMSA was sort of trying to, um, I guess, trying to stop a loophole really being employed by some of the teams to get some of these guys who were kind of overqualified to drive these cars. It's always one of the problems you're going to have with the driver rating system; it can never be perfect, and there's uh, always going to be outliers. Yeah, there are, and. Uh, yeah, and IMSA, I think you tried to do the right thing, uh, but uh, certainly it negatively impacted several drivers, one of them most particularly being Madison. So, yeah, I think it's good that uh, IMSA, uh, uh, you know, once again, it shows that IMSA does listen to uh, to its constituents. And, and uh, you know, particularly in terms of Madison, it was it was generally realised that that was probably not the right thing, not the, not the right move. So he's back again this, this season with the opportunity to... Uh, because you know, he has some sponsors behind him and, and th th they would otherwise have been lost to the sport so it certainly makes sense to have him back again and yeah, that's, that's certainly going to be a strong combination for next season but Madison, you know, what a talent he has been he started off uh, as a youngster in karting uh, he's made his debut in, uh, in uh, Porsches at the age of a uh, little more than 15 uh, and uh, quickly had a lot of success in the Porsche categories as well he won the Gold Cup category that was way back in 2011 hard to believe it was that long ago uh, and uh, just as a uh, as a 16-year-old then, and a couple of years later, won the IMSA GT3 Cup Challenge, moved on up into GTD, into the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and won that championship very, very impressively, along with Brian Sellers for Paul and Miller Racing in 2018. Um, so 
again, hard to believe he's only 23 because he's been around for such a long time and had such a lot of success. But it's certainly great to see Madison back again and I'm sure enjoying his opportunity uh, to drive this car again after a pretty lengthy absence. Hello to Michael Rennick. Yes, I am going to try and say 4104, the big boy. It's not going as far east to you, to Atlanta. So you might have to jump on a plane to see that lovely old steam locomotive. If I can get somewhere near I'm on a train to go see it. Well, that's what you should do, of course, yes. If I can get close enough, I will record something. I'll record some audio. Yeah, cool. And a bit of video as well, if I can. If I can remember how to work the video on my phone. <laughs> Which is now re restored to full health, by the way. Your phone is? Yes, Gary Dodds, GFD Computing up in Sunderland. Put a new battery in my uh, BlackBerry Priv. And oh. it's now back to as good as it ever was. Two days on the battery now. Oh, right. Mega. Absolutely mega. 30 quid. All done. Is it really? Yeah. Did it while I waited. Take mine. Oh, Thanks, I Gary. I should have brought you my one. Well, next time. Yeah. Do you need a screen on yours as well? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> Sad, sadly all, so. All can be done. All can be done. And if, if we do that, I shall definitely... Uh, I shall definitely get a proper screen protector next time. That wind getting up again. And being round... Trundling down the pit lane, car number 64, set the second fastest time in this session. 2 minutes 15.9, he improved uh, not too long ago to get within 1.2 seconds now of that fastest time set much earlier on by Neil Alberico in the Ansa Motorsports car number 2. There's an improvement also for Ryan Hardwick in the Wright Motorsports Porsche 911 GT3R, one of the GT3 cars in this uh, in this race this weekend. That was an improvement for him last time round. 220.4 for Ryan. That big crash earlier in the season and was out, uh, sat out the whole end of the campaign in the IMSA World Tech Sports Car Championship so making his return to competition this weekend after some surgery and I know he's excited to get back behind the wheel of a race car again joining that right, right motorsports team with Maxwell Root and uh, who's a youngster moving into GTD, GT3 cars, GTD, GT3 for the first time, 20 year old from San Diego, California, came on so strong towards the end of the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge season won three of the last five races and uh, that first breakthrough win that he had he turned it into uh, to, to a couple more as well in the final couple of weekends so good to see him have the opportunity to form a winner of the Hurley Hayward Scholarship that was for 2018 make a good impression and Jan Halen who's been a driver coach for Wright Motorsports for, for several years now, he's got an opportunity to uh, get back behind the wheel as well. He's been driving in various different uh, series this season, particularly in the uh, World Challenge category. Jan makes his home these days in the in Tampa area, so not too far away from here. Got quite a few Florida drivers in the field this weekend. I know Jan will be excited to get back behind the wheel of this car. 
Form winner of the uh, Formula Ford Festival. We were talking about Team USA scholarship drivers mm. driving in the Formula Ford Festival. Jan won that back in 2002. Richard from Belgium, of course. But now made his home here in the States for the last, uh, or a long, long time. Drove in the uh, Champ Car Series. Had some success there. Modest success, but very accomplished driver. Oliver Askew has now taken out the uh, number 33, Sean Creech Motorsports, Ligier. He's just turned his first laps in car number 33. As John Brownson goes uh, across the line again, 2 minutes 25 for John Brownson. Oliver Askew turning his first... He's actually done a little bit of testing for this team over the last couple of years just to help uh, help out, run some run some laps. The Sean Creech Motorsports team is actually based in Jupiter, Florida. It's only a couple of hours from here, which is where Oliver is uh, uh, has been based for all of his life as well. And he and his close buddy, Kyle Kirkwood, who's made his sports car debut here one year ago and, of course, won this race along with Roman DeAngelis for the Am- Ansa Motorsports team. So Oliver, this year's Indy Lights champion, will be moving on to IndyCars next season with the McLaren uh, Arrow McLaren SP team. Great news for for him. Certainly, he and Patricio Ward will be driving for that team next season. Big expectations. Yeah, left uh, James Hinchcliffe rather out in the cold. Although he's still going to yeah. get paid. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Very very strange the way oh, ha- that was handled. I remember when we first were talking about that, Jeremy. I I, I was. Mm concerned about what was going to happen with Hinch with his close ties to Honda yeah, it, it, it always seemed like it was going to be difficult yeah it, I was it, it was handled very strangely all the way around I haven't had a chance to talk to James about it but um, yeah he's he's been with Honda for uh, and he's a a very accomplished ambassador for Honda really didn't make much sense for him to stay there with the with the switch to Chevrolet engines and I was surprised that uh, there went some, some moves earlier on to try and find something else for James to do to remain in the Honda fold and certainly hope it's not too late because the IndyCar is looking pretty stout for next year. The season is is uh, not not too far away. There's not going to be much testing now before uh, ja- before January. So there's a bit of a lull in the in the uh, in the running for the, for the IndyCar teams. Uh, there's still a couple of potential opportunities for them, but there's certainly not very many at this stage in the game. And that left that decision that was finally made to James to. Uh, that he would not be part of that Aaron McLaren SP team was uh, uh, very, very late in the game. So he'll be working hard to try and find some opportunities. There's certainly, a f- I think, a few out there. The team uh, RLL, Rahul Letterman-Lanigan organization, is is a, a possibility for him. But I know they certainly need some sponsorships to, to make that happen, make that re- a reality, because that team already committed to running two cars and... Uh, 33 or even 4 is not uh, beyond the realms of capabilities with that team certainly and a huge, huge amount of experience there and a wealth of, of mm. knowledge as well and but uh, and you know for, for to hop on board with someone like James Hinchcliffe hey look if if you're talking about looking at sponsorships of open wheel racing there's no better ambassador for oh. the sport than James Hinchcliffe how many times have we talked about it's as much about what you can do outside of the car as what you do inside the car Jeremy and, and Hinch yeah. is a perfect 
uh, for that. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I remember it, yeah, when, when I was doing the, the Champ Car series, the uh, TV coverage for that, and he was in Formula BMW as a 16-year-old, mm-hmm. and I invited him to come up and join us in the booth a couple of times. And I he heard was that. Just fantastic. He was far uh, too good. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, and then a couple of years later, he, he was there for all, the f- for, for all the races w- with me as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we uh, it was a, we had a great time doing it. He was absolutely magnificent, and it certainly helped uh, you know, help help me out enormously, and and it helped build his brand as well. And he made full op, op, you know full use of all those opportunities that were, were open to him. And come back to that in a great, moment. Great Just hearing from Shear that the Riley Motorsports number thirty five Mercedes AMG, the GT four car, has got slicks ready for it. In fact, he's on slicks now for when it goes out, which is brave because I think it's wetter on the front straight than it has been for a while. Uh, and only one pit gun allowed over the wall during a stop here is what we're seeing at the moment, or what Cher is seeing. Um, I hear Rahal Letterman Lanigan might be running an extra car for Hinch, and that's yeah, that's certainly the, 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 the I think the, the goal because Piers knows Piers Phillips, who's the president of race operations there for for RLL, knows him from his days at um, SPM, doesn't he? So yeah. he knows he knows what he's going to get out of him. That would be an elegant solution. I dare say Honda would rather like him in a car. Honda very Canada, so. particularly. Yeah, very much so. Um, very much so. He has built himself a great brand as a, as, as a brand ambassador for Honda over the last couple of years. and uh, well, More than that, actually. So he's very much part of Honda's program of, of spreading the word about motor racing and about Hondas in general. Spray coming up in rooster tails not big ones but noticeable now on the front straight right in front of our commentary booth the IMSA broadcast booth here with just under 14 minutes still to go and we've now had eight cars out so who's the extra car Oliver Askew Jeremy mentioned in the 33 yeah that was the eighth car that was well, that was the eighth that car was the most recent one to join us yeah yeah Vin Barletta out in the BMW M4 GT4, the 96 Turner car. So turning his first laps after Robbie Foley did 22 or 23 laps uh, in that car early on. And John Brownson's got a good long run going in the number two Ligier in mixed conditions. That car's now completed 26 laps with Neil Alberico putting its best lap in back on lap number 11, the 2.14.6, when conditions, in fairness, were a bit better than they are now. That's right. And then uh, Tim George took over for that in that car as well for a while. A, a uh, professor of pediatric neuro- neurosurgery at the University of Texas is Tim, as long as, as being a, uh, a kind of a regular club racer and or semi-pro racer as well. So good to see him back this weekend. And now it's John Brownson, who is the, the veteran of the... IMSA prototype challenge as it is now or prototype lights as it used to be 128 starts for John Brownson in that championship over the years made his debut way back in 2007 just talking to Tony Dezino um, before we came live this morning what a season it's been for Michelin uh, and IMSA Um, 90 of a possible 114 track records have been broken uh, this year, throughout the series that Michelin have taken on. Yeah, and funnily enough, uh, some of the not many weekends uh, where they're not records broken, mm. but they weren't broken here at here. Seabury, actually, either yes. in uh, either in LMP3 or in uh, GT3. They're out here this weekend. 
and Michelin, of course, have been named as the sole tyre supplier for the WEC and ACO new class in 2020, the new Premier class, the first time that it's been a closed tyre category. The plan, apparently, is to offer all the classes to single tyre supply, presumably to help recoup investment that uh, the ACO and the WEC have lost with the loss, loss of some of the major manufacturers like Porsche and Audi. Sound business decision. Heard that uh, Dunlop Goodyear were interested in that top class as well. Presumably they'll want the LMP2 category at Le Mans and WEC. But Hankook, Falcon and Continental, either with their own brand or with the Hughesier brand, which Continental owned, also interested in those uh, tyre supply contracts for the WEC. That's one to keep an eye on, and we'll cover that on midweek motorsport over the coming weeks. Already had 42 midweek motorsports this year and something over 4.4 million downloads of midweek motorsport this year in those 42 or so, yeah, 42. I think actually that was after 40 episodes, if memory serves. So thank you very much for supporting our two-hour programme Every Wednesday. Next Wednesday, coming from the Circuit of the Americas as we build up to the final race of the 24-hour series. 30 cars are thereabouts out in that in a variety of classes. Looking forward to that. And that's uh, full coverage in sound and sound and vision over the weekend. Waiting to see what the weather's like there. The forecast from this distance looks a bit scary. Scary cold. BMW versus Lamborghini going down into the hairpin and Madison Snow closing right in on the back of the Turner car as they go out through the kink of turn eight through to nine and ten. And the Lamborghini now away and still spray coming out from behind that Lamborghini Evo. Being thrown unceremoniously into Vin Barletta's windshield. Vin just dropping back a little bit, I think, rather sensibly there. Letting Madison getting on, get on with what you need to do. Do I see a bit of sunshine for the first time? I think I do. Ooh. Almost a shadow. Well, the blue sky is certainly spreading. But I think it's still just spitting with rain, Jeremy. Bizarre. Yeah, this is bizarre. This weather, isn't it? Just make your mind up. (laughs) That's basically this is the this is the nightmare, isn't it? Of of this time of the year. Uh, Eight minutes to go. Spot on, and it's still the number two Ligier from Anza Motorsports that leads with a two fourteen six free practice one all skate. Split practices to come later on today. Second free practice will be another all skate. So two Ligiers, two and 64, Ansa and K2R Motorsports. Then a trio of GT3 cars led by the number 54 Porsche. That's the right motorsport car. 
Spencer Pumpelli putting uh, a few laps in now. Mark Miller was out earlier on, I think. Oh, no. Yeah, that was Mark's time from earlier on. Madison Snow in the Lamborghini Huracan GT3 Evo 48 for Paul Miller Racing. Second best in GT3, fourth overall. And then Ryan Hardwick in the number 16. Uh, right Motorsports car. Sorry, I got the black one and the right Motorsports cars mixed up there. 54 is the leading GT3 car. My apologies. Then the 48 Paul Miller. Then the right Motorsports Porsche. Ryan Hardwick out in that car at the moment. Then we've got Oliver Askew. Actually, he's in the pits, but uh, that's number 33. So that was the 33 car that he's sharing with Lance Wilsey for Sean Creech Motorsport. Also out two GT4 cars, the best of which is the Turner Motorsport Blue and Yellow M4 GT4, the number 96. Vin Barletta turning some laps in that car now. Robbie Forley put the time in of 2.26.4. Jed Buford has been out for just a handful of laps, actually. Five laps under the wheels of the PF racing Ford Mustang GT4 that he shares with Shane Lewis and James Pesek. Not a bad trio, that three, is it, really? And those are the eight cars of the 18 who have been out in this very tricky session. Five minutes and 50 seconds still to go at IMSA Radio. If you want to give us a drop us a line. Thank you very much to those of you who already have. Into the pit lane. The number two, John Brownson, finishes his stint. Not seen anyone other than Naveen Rao in the 64 answer, uh, the 64 K2R car. So, presumably Scott Andrews will get to play and have his go next time around. Naveen just goes through and rumbles by. That V8 engine in those cars sounds fantastic. It's such a counterpoint to the screaming V10 of the Lamborghini, which follows it through. Variety, whether visual or audible, is uh, the spice of sports car life, isn't it? Yeah, definitely brighter weather coming up. If it doesn't rain again, next session, which is uh, just over an hour and 15 minutes away, we should have something akin to a dry track. It's just the Michelin on court cars here this weekend. So nothing else to go out there. And oh, man, if somebody was to ask nicely, I suppose we could take the road car out and drive round for a bit, you know. I don't know, it'd be a bit of a chore that It would. Yeah. It would. But yeah. you know, for the greater good Yeah yeah. Jeremy, yeah. you know, yeah. and and in the interest of, you know, finding out the situation on the track, but yeah. you know Well I could put my my, the, my rental car I had seven miles on the clock when I picked it really? up. Really? Like seven. You've yeah. had some quality rentals this yeah, year. Like, mind you this one, I turned up I got the email, mm-hmm. the, the car was in mm-hmm. this slot, mm-hmm. F8 it was, went to F8, there was the car, mm-hmm. great, drove it out, got to the front desk and said, nope, you're not allowed to, you, no, this is not your car, I said, well, yes it is, I got the email here, it's right in the right slot, this is it, yeah, yeah. nope, 
You've got to go back to the to the desk. So I went back to the desk and waited half an hour. I don't know what had happened, but um, there was a and did you end up mix be- up? Did the, you end up better or worse off? Well, it, newer certainly. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. It was. It should have been a, v, a Volkswagen uh, Passat, I think it was, and they ended up with a Malibu. It was fine. Yeah, very comfortable. But like I said, seven miles. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Is it running? It will be when Shaw yeah, drops it off. It will be. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I would, I think you'd probably enjoy a few laps around here. Through comes Navin Rao. Well, he's put the hard yards in here. 27 laps completed. Also going through Madison Snow. Uh, a bit quicker, actually, than Navin that time around. He's just starting to close down the prototype. be interesting to see the relative performance as they go under the bridge. Also, the uh, white... Light blue and black, number 16, Ryan Hardwick, just going through the distinctive flat six wheel of the Porsche there. So get the binos out there, is Naveen. Ooh, that is very wet. Out from under the bridge at five through six, down towards the hairpin at seven. And Madison following through. The Lamborghini quite throwing up as much spray as you might imagine as the downforce prototype does. Great to be able to watch the... Oh, very wet going out through 8 and 9 towards turn 10. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I can really see the spray behind that car. We do have some static cameras, thanks to our TV colleagues, Clark Camborn and his team, for getting those switched on for us early on. And the rumbling of the V8 in the background. But I'm loving being able to watch on the... Uh, across the infield here with the binoculars. Yes, partic- particularly clear we can see that, yeah, the, the new the new for this year bridge mm. that was uh, Some structure that, isn't it? It certainly is. Two-way traffic a- available on there and, and much heavier rated traffic as well. And the access road with its own little tunnel on the far side of that. Calbring brings up a fantastic point. Uh, she says... You have to do some laps so that you compare the Sebring bumps with the quarter bumps. That is a fair point well made and brilliantly presented, Carol. I'm not sure how many of you are watching the Formula One last weekend from quarter, um, but the drivers were... Uh, I won't tell you who won. Um, <laughs> the drivers were complaining about the bumps. This is the bumpiest track in the world, said Lewis Hamilton. And right. as soon as that had been said on the radio, Anthony Davidson, who's part of the... Sky TV coverage, which is uh, the audio that you get over here, said, uh, no, Sebring. He's never driven at Sebring, has he? And I noticed Sebring picked that up straight away. <laughs> Respect the bumps is the hashtag here. Checkered flag in hand opposite us. but not yet waving because there is still five there are still five seconds on the clock and now waves spot on time and in the pit lane the right motorsports car takes the checkered flag for Ryan Hardwick still out there Naveen Rao and Madison Snow and Vin Barletta to come through now, will they take it on the track or have they already dived into the pit lane? 
Whilst I decide that, let me give you the rundown of the eight cars that have been out. Two leisures at the top, the Ansem Sports number two, with a 2.14.6 is the best time of this extremely difficult session in terms of the track conditions. Temperatures up towards 20 degrees Celsius, that's into the early 70s Fahrenheit, but wet, dry, damp, greasy, all a bit horrid to be honest, and exceptionally well driven by everybody top teams have put in late 20s in fact uh, that number two Ansicar has put in 29 laps Naveen Rao has done 28 and he's done all of them in the 64k2r this year which is in second by about a second and a quarter best of the GT cars from the the very start I was uh, Mark Miller in the number 54 the uh, Porsche of Black Swan Racing. Welcome back to IMSA competition for that team. Then Madison Snow with the 2.16.9. Just a couple of ten shy of that early time put in by the Porsche. Third in GT3 and next up fifth overall is the right Porsche, the number 16 car. Ryan Hardwick finishing off that session. LMP3 third. Sixth overall for the number 33 year Oliver Askew doing just a couple of laps, flying laps. I think it was three flying laps in all, actually, for Sean Creech uh, Motorsport. And Vin Barletta finishes off the session for the 96 GT4 class leader. 2.26.4. Robbie Forley's time put in early on. And Jay Buford doing five laps in the number 40 Ford Mustang GT4 from PF Racing. Those were the only eight of the 18 that went out. Not surprised. I don't think you can really say to anybody that uh, that was the right or the wrong thing to do to go out. You don't want to risk the machinery so early on with the weather forecast looking uh, far better for race day tomorrow. Thanks to Jeremy Shaw and to Shea Adam who's been passing us some information. Our tech team on site and Kerry was pushing the buttons back in the UK. About an hour and 15 minutes uh, until we are back and we'll take you back to Canadian Time Motorsport Park in July for a little bit of IMSA entertainment for you and this is the IMSA Prototype Challenge Race. Jeremy Shaw and uh, Brian Till on the call coming up next here on IMSA Radio. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.